Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to the Circe Podcast Network. I'm Joshua Gibbs, and this is Proverbial, the podcast where we explore the wisdom of the ages as it comes to us in Proverbs, by which I mean wise sayings a man may live by if he's not so arrogant as to think himself special. Episode 85, Street Spirit. Today's proverb comes from Solomon. I'll read it twice. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Once more, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. There are probably 50 different English translations of this proverb, but there are really two main versions of it. And just one word separates the two main versions of this proverb. The first version is the one to which I am devoting this show. The other is... Like it, only one word different. And the other version is this. Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So if you go on Bible Gateway and you look up this proverb, you're going to get dozens of different translations. Living Bible, New King James, NIV. And the wording of all of them is slightly different. But all those differences really boil down to the word even, or its equivalent, in some translations, and the absence of the word even, or its equivalent, in others. The word even 
in the proverb, train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he's old, he will not depart from it. The word even suggests that if you train up a child in the way he should go, he will never depart from it. Not when he's young, not when he's older, not when he's mature, not when he's an adult, not when he's a newlywed, a new father, an empty nester. He'll never depart from it. The word even completely upends the meaning of the original proverb. And I want to say that the version that I'm committing this show to is the original version and that there's the adjusted version. And the adjusted version is the longer one with the addition of this concept of even or the addition of the word even to suggest this perfect continuity. Train up a child and he'll always be that way no matter what. The word even changes everything, though. And putting that word even in the proverb makes it two different proverbs, two completely different proverbs that are true for completely different reasons. And the difference between them is not one of degree only. It's not as though the original is true most of the time and the adjusted version is true some of the time. I don't even think they're going after the same truth, to be perfectly honest. It's not as though the original proverb is true more often and that they're both on this kind of sliding scale. These two proverbs, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old he won't depart from it, and even when he's old he'll not depart from it, have almost nothing in common. Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he's old, he'll not depart from it, implies that the training up of a child constitutes a new nature, a second nature, and that this second nature is complete, it's entire, and that it can't be altered whatsoever, and that it's always going to be visible, that this new nature is always going to be on the surface of the human person. It's always going to be at the forefront of the human personality. And it's that part that I don't agree with, I don't know about. I would have to think on it further because very little of what I've seen in the world suggests that that's true. Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he's old, he won't depart from it. means that the human person is sort of like an apple tree that doesn't produce pears or a grapevine that doesn't produce pumpkins. And a child raised one way is no more capable of departing from the way he was raised than a cow is capable of giving birth to a pig, a sheep. But that sort of radical consistency in personality is so rare. It so rarely describes the way that the world works. I don't know that it rises to the level of proverbial wisdom. Or it means that virtually no one 
trains up a child in the way he should go. In which case the proverb also isn't a proverb because it's not about how things normally work. It's not about something that average people do. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. Leaves the time between childhood and old age very open, though. And this proverb really is prototypical or typical of proverbs. It shows you the beginning. It shows you the end. And you have to figure out what happened in the meantime. This is the way a lot of proverbs work. A lot of Solomon's proverbs, at least. They show you the first five minutes of a film and the last five minutes of the film. And they demand that you figure out the 100 minutes in between. That's this proverb. We go from childhood to old age and are left to ponder the intermediary life that separates these two things. And I have to think that this gap between youth and old age is so wide in the way that the proverb states it that we have to assume that in those intermediary years, in those intermediary decades, that there is some departure from the way the child is raised. Having taught high school for 17 years now, and as a former high school graduate myself, I can say that it's unfair to judge a man by what he becomes in the five years or for the five years immediately following his departure from his parents' home. Up until 18, there's often a great degree of consistency in the human person. But there is a wild divergence when you leave the family home, for most people. I, I would say that this is more true for Christians than it is for atheists. I would wager that the average Christian undergoes a more painful shift or aberration of person between 18 and 24 than the average atheist. And I don't, this has nothing to do with morality. I'm not saying atheists are more moral at the age of 20 or 21 than Christians are. I'm merely saying, I'm, I'm thinking in terms of dynamic shifts. And that after 18, 19, when a Christian leaves a family home, he's more likely to do something or to become something that doesn't look a whole lot like what he was before. We bandy around, Christians bandy around the term close to God. But we generally use this expression in a highly abstracted sort of way. 
I felt so close to God. And the way that we use it, or, you know, we're going to have a women's weekend and we're all going to draw close to God. The way that we use this term is so abstracted, though, that it's hardly any good. It doesn't really do much. It doesn't really convey a whole lot close to God, the way that we use it in this abstracted, highly um, feeling-oriented sort of way. In a very real sense, your parents bring you close to God when you're a child. And I mean that literally, objectively, physically. When you're young, your parents take you to church. They take you to a holy place. They bring you close to God. Not in any sort of figurative sense. Your parents also bring God close to you. They read you the Bible when you're a little child. They initiate prayers before meals, before bed, or after tragedies have taken place. Your parents bring God close to you. After you leave your family home, there's no one to bring you close to God. I want to bring God close to you. You have to do it yourself. When you're 19 and you leave your family home, you have to bring yourself close to God, which is very difficult. And I hope this does not strike you as an overly cruel thing to say, an overly judgmental thing to say. But Christians in their 20s are not often faithful church attenders. Your family of five is much better at making it to church every week than your 22-year-old man who has just left his family home. Because the easier it is to get to church, the harder it is to go. When I travel, when I am out of town for a conference or a lecture, I don't say prayers in the evening. When I'm at home, when my whole family is together, I, my wife and I never miss saying prayers. Never. But when I'm on the road, I'm 22 once again. Under the normal run of things, I bring myself to God when I bring my children to God. But with no children to bring to God, I find it very difficult to bring myself to God. The idea that you begin life a certain way and then stray from it for a while and then return to it when you're older... This presumes that every person has a fundamental nature that can be built on, perhaps even extensively built on. And yet that nature upon which we build changes only with profound difficulty, which is to say that for most people, that nature does not change. You build upon it, and the things that you build on this fundamental person, this fundamental personality, the things that you build on top of it are not fake. They're not hypocritical. 
but they are on top of, they are separate from this fundamental thing within you. Toward the end of Frankenstein, Mary Shelley offers this observation. I find this profound. This is a quote. The companions of our childhood always possess a certain power over our minds which hardly any later friend can obtain. They know our infantine dispositions, which, however they may be afterwards modified, are never eradicated. And they, our childhood friends, can judge of our actions with more certain conclusions as to the integrity of our motives. Our early years are referred to as our formative years for a reason. Everything you see, everything you hear, everything you read, everything you do before 18 sinks more deeply into your soul than the things that you do afterwards. As a classical educator, I often hear, I often talk to people, sometimes at church, who say things like, well, I think we'll send our kids to a classical school when they hit seventh grade or ninth grade. As though this is the point at which things really start to matter. It's too late by that point. I mean, go ahead and do it. But what do you think people do before they're 14? What are they doing before they're 14? Hibernating? Like bouncing around the world like rubber balls? Your child's a sponge. More a sponge before ninth grade than after. So if you're, if you're imagining that habits don't start being set until 14, that patterns of thought aren't set before 14, and there's little or no evidence in favor of that. Just ask old people. The idea, only somebody who was in their 30s, in their 20s, late 20s, only somebody of that age, would pretend that you can start with a difficult portion of an education at the age of 14. That's just not how human souls work. That's not human receptivity to the world. That's not how that works. A good many habits and tastes are set by 14 or 15. Now, when you leave the house at 18, though, you think, now I will do things for myself. Now I will live as I choose. But you have to build on whatever soul you have when you leave the house. And not just anything you build on your soul will last. As Mary Shelley puts it, that soul from the formative years is never eradicated. It's always there. It's always underneath everything. And the reason why we come back to this when we're older is because the older you get, the less you fight the fact that there's something fundamental at your core that's been there since your youth.
after you've put a good deal of space between you and childhood, you don't feel defeated to return to the ways that you were raised. At the age of 20, you would feel humiliated to go back to childhood. You're trying to escape it. But after many years, it's a homecoming. And to return to youth in your 40s or 50s or 60s, you feel you have the tools you need at that point to do well what you struggled to do well so many years ago. This is why childhood's important. Childhood is important because we feed on it later. Childhood is a bomb shelter you return to many years later, decades later. It's a bunker. Childhood is a bunker where you keep all the things that you'll need for the apocalypse. Your childhood soul is a bunker. It's a it's a stash pile. It's a cachet for all the things you'll return to later when you run out of ideas and new things just don't mean that much to you anymore. I, every year, I feel myself closer and closer to giving up on new things. I am 40 years old, and it feels a little... Desperate, pathetic. It feels a little pathetic to still follow new music as closely as I do. I put up a list of my favorite records and films on my Sometimes Gibbs blog this past week. I've done this every year for almost 20 years now. But the list is shorter now. The first time I made an attempt, the first time the thought occurred to me to just give up on new things was 2002, a long time ago. This was the first time the idea ever occurred to me. And this was, this was the year that the last broadcast came out. It was the year, I believe it was the year, David Bowie's Heathen came out. And I thought... Maybe I don't need new music anymore. I mean, the truth was I didn't. I could have been happy just going over, just reviewing, just scouring the vaults of music and film and literature that came out before 2002. Now, of course, I would have missed a few things that have become favorites since then. But these new things are favorites because I know about them. And I know about them because I've spent time looking into new things, not time looking into old things. So it's true that I have favorites that have come out since 2002. But if I had cut myself off at 2002, I would have different favorites. And I think I might even have better favorites. To be 40 and to say to my closest friends, have you heard the new Radiohead album? What was wrong with the old Radiohead albums? Did I need a new one? 
Is there more pleasure to be had in hearing a new Radiohead album for the first time than listening to the Benz for the 200th time? There is not. Well, I mean, let me tell you, listening to Straight Spirit off of the Benz for the 200th time over the course of 20 years is so much better than listening to any song for the first time, any Radiohead song that they just put out. Not as good as hearing Street Spirit for the 200th time over the course of half a life. To hear it for the 200th time in 20 years is like hearing it every time you've heard it before, under every circumstance you've heard it before, all at the same time. After you've heard Street Spirit 200 times, it's 200 songs. When you've heard a song 200 times over 20 years, every time you listen to it again, man, you're, you're almost, you're almost traveling backward through time. At 40, the desire for new things is just proof you haven't used your time that well. Why are you still looking for new things at 40? Was nothing you loved at 35 that good? If you're looking for new things at 40, you're going to be looking for new things at 45. Which means that you're already bored with most of the stuff that you're looking for now. But this is why we return to the ways of our youth when we're old. Because we give up on sensuality and discover meaning. And because we crave meaning. Sensuality loses its edge because we feel our body is losing its ability to enjoy sensuality. Our senses fade. And what we've done with our senses must matter. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. 